We're in revelation. We are in revelation. This is amazing. Guys, we have done it. For those of you who've been with us from the beginning, we have done it. We are in Revelation family and we're reading it together. Let's get a snapshot of all the people from all around right now. Good to see you, Cassie. Good to see you, Joelle. Good to see you, Derek. Good to see you, Jason. I know I've said it a couple of times, but it's so good to see y'all. Um, I'm gonna quickly shout these these folks out because man, we got people from all over. I don't know, man. I'm expecting God to do something really big today. I don't know. I just have this this expectation. Let me put the screen down because I don't want the battery to be killed. Uh, all right, beautiful. Hold on. Can you guys? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Good. I'm still here. Shout out where you're located. Um, we got Ireland in the house. We got Indiana in the house. We got New York City in the house. Mississippi, St. Louis, London, New Jersey, Cincinnati, Toronto, Florida, South Carolina, Hinesville, Georgia. We have North Carolina. We have Seattle in the house, Las Vegas, Miami, North Carolina, Portsmouth, Virginia, Canada, Jamaica, Zimbabwe, New Jersey, Moncton. Wow, Moncton, that's new. Where is that located in Canada? Um, EMC is or, or MGen. Um, I'm probably saying that wrong. Where, where's Moncton? Is it is it west? Is it is it? Man, I wish I knew. I kind of feel bad for not knowing that. That's different. Um, PG County, Maryland. Sherry, good to see you. Marietta, Memphis, Tennessee, Minnesota, Australia. NYC guys, we've got people from all around. We've got Ohio in the house, Jamaica in the house, Fort Lauderdale in the house. That's right. Um, Pennsylvania in the house. This is amazing, guys. Alabama, Beaumont, Texas in the house. The, the Kojic National Holy Convocation Capital, Memphis, Tennessee. That is the country music capital as well. Um, Kuwait in the house. Man, that's awesome, man. So good to see you all. Ajax in the house. Ajax Canada in the house. Pennsylvania in the house. The Netherlands in the house. I so want to go visit the Netherlands. I'm so glad you're here. New Brunswick in the house. Guys, we have people from all over the world. This is exciting, guys. We have people from all over the world who have come together today to engage in the reading of the word. And today we are going to be reading the book of Revelation. We're going to be reading the book of Revelation. This is the book that uh, not a lot of guys preach it. Not a lot of guys teach it. Not a lot of guys read it. Um, and yet it's a profoundly powerful book. It's one of the most powerful books in uh, the Bible. I'm going to give you full admission. I was uh, probably a good four or five years into ministry. Probably a good four to five years in the ministry. And while I had read the book and, you know, I had to do a a, a a paper on this book. After I read the book and did a paper on it, I didn't go back to it. Um, five years. In, I was five years into ministry and I didn't go back to it. And I even admitted this to uh, members of my church um, as I was leading a young adults uh, ministry. And I, I, I told him, I said, um, I ain't ready for revelation. And so I'm just going to just, I'm just going to pretend like 
um, it's not even there. That's that's literally what I did. Um, of course, now I know better, <laughs> and I've learned now that Revelation is uh, one of the most powerful books, if not the most powerful book in the Bible. Um, until my pastor taught it a second time, I was terrified. Yes, it is a book that um, even pastors are afraid to preach it. A lot of pastors are afraid to preach it or teach it because it seems so convoluted and so confusing. And so hopefully I can give some insight into it. But this is not Bible study. I want to say that, first of all, this isn't a Bible study. I'm not here to necessarily teach the scripture. Um, but uh, hey, just hit me up. Hit me up on it's better. Hit me up on IG um, because TikTok is crazy. And plus, right now is a good time to hit me up on IG because my IG got deleted. My, my, my Instagram got deleted. So, um, and so I just started a new Instagram. It's called, it's Opus Frere. And so right now it's fairly, it's a lot easier to get a hold of me there because my TikTok, I know, I know a lot of you guys send messages on TikTok. I, I just can't keep, keep up with them. I'm be honest. I just can't keep up with them. Um, I do check every now and then. And whenever I catch a prayer request in there, I put it on my list of prayer requests. But, um, I think the best way to uh, find people to intercede for you is through the font everywhere, which is our Facebook group. It's a private Facebook group right now that we we're soft launching Easter Sunday. So we're going to soft launch it Easter Sunday. And right now we have people actually on our private Facebook group who are attending with us right now. I got Derek and Toya, I got Cassie who are attending with us right now. And it's been word of mouth and it's just been me sharing uh with you guys that it's available but we're already almost at no we're past 600 now we're past 600 people so it's it's um it's it's uh it's growing and it's a place the reason why i'm saying that is because if you need prayer or you need someone to pray for you i want to encourage you to just go to the to go to the facebook group there if you post your prayer request on that wall you will find people who will pray for you I promise you that um, because we have some praying people. It's a community there. You can catch the read and rants as well. If you ever miss a read and rant, you can catch it there. But it is a community uh, where people are praying for each other, encouraging each other. And so uh, I want to encourage you to go ahead and uh, and 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 uh, join the font everywhere. We'll bring you in. It's private, so you'll have to request. But we're letting everybody in. So it's not a problem at all. All right, family. So, um and and yeah, if, you, if this is your first time watching a read and rant, this is a great opportunity for you guys to join that Facebook group and um, and catch up on the read and rant since I saved them there as well. Um, yes, yes, sugar. I'm so glad you're saying that it is. And it's been encouraging to see how you guys have all brought it to life. This is not my platform. OK, the font everywhere is a community. We want people to connect with each other, to pray for each other. And yes, you'll see the read and rants there as well. But it's really a place where we can be family. Um, we have pastors. We have other pastors who are part of that community as well, um, who are from other churches from all around the, the world uh, who are there. So it's great to see this beautiful expression of the body of Christ coming together uh, to see people pray for each other and encourage each other. So I want to encourage you to go on there and um, just send your prayer requests, send your prayer requests, share your story. We also want to hear testimonies, like put your testimonies on there as well. Um you would love to have me join you. Okay, again, um, follow my my IG. It's Opus Frere, 
Opus, O-P-U-S-F-R-E-R-E. Follow my IG. It's probably the best way right now to get a hold of me because I just started that IG. And so uh, my previous IG was uh, hacked and deleted. It was hacked and deleted. So um, I started a new IG. So we'd love to hear testimonies as well. I've heard some powerful testimonies already of what the Lord is doing. So yeah, I, I, go on there, share your testimony. Don't just share prayer requests as well. Share words of encouragement, share testimony. If there's a Bible verse, share your, share the verse that's really, you know, hitting you and, and allow people to just, you know, comment on it. And maybe we can share in, and, um, and, and just continue to grow in the grace of God together. I love breaking bread with you. TikTok Kim. I love breaking bread and we're going to break some, man, we go, we go break some meat today. And we'll see where the Lord takes us. We're going to read Revelation today. Uh, Revelation today. And we're going to pray. And yeah, it's a private group. It's a private group. It's called The Font Everywhere. Um, you'll, you'll, we'll, we'll let you in after this uh, live. Um, I'll go ahead and if you guys sign up, I'll, I'll let everybody in. And you can invite other people as well. Okay. You can invite other people as well. Um but today, I mean, this isn't going to be a Bible study. While there may be some insight that I'll need to give to help us get to where, where the Lord wants to take us, I have nothing planned today other than to just read the word with you and then to see where the Lord is going to take us. My posture every morning when we do our read and rant from 8 to 8.30 is to read and to hear from the Lord. What is the Lord saying concerning himself? What is the Lord saying or revealing concerning people what is the Lord saying or revealing concerning me? Today, of course, I had spent more time on introduction, so we may not read as much, but we're going to share. And then we're going to spend some time in the praying, in praying. And and uh, yeah, I want to spend some time praying for you guys as well. So um, let's get right to it. Father, we thank you for this time. Lord, what a privilege it is that you've given us, Lord, this platform, this beautiful beautifully crafted platform that would connect us together. Lord, different people from all around the world connected together right now. Lord, to read your word. Wow. What a privilege that is. That we are simultaneously coming together to read your word from different time zones. That's crazy. And yet you've given us this privilege. So Lord, I thank you for that. But as we come together right now, Father, I just pray that you would speak to us, Lord. Pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit in this time as we read your word, Lord. Give us revelation as we read revelation. Lord, give us insight, Lord. Encourage us. Empower us, Father. We have yet to have heard from you today. And so we want to hear from you now as we read the word. And we say that in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Revelation 1. We start Revelation today. We're not going to finish it today, but we're going to start today. So let's read together. Revelation 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, the things which must shortly take place. And he sent a signifier and, and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John, 
who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. To all things that he saw, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep doing and keep those things, sorry, which are written in it for the time is near. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the, the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And he has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha, the Omega and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. In the midst of the seven lampstands, one, like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band, his head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined to a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forever. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands, which you saw, are the seven churches. Verse 1, chapter 2. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things he says... 
sorry, this thing says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil and have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have preserved and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, have I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Hmm. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Hmm. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos, write, These things, says he who has a sharp two-edged sword, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you because you have, <clears throat> you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balaam to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Thus, you also have those who hold to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate, repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written which no one knows except him who receives it. Hmm. Verse 18. And to the angel of the church of Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience, and as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allowed that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immoralities, sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to gods. 
idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed. And those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. <laughs> he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and they shall be dashed to pieces like a pot, like a potter's vessels, I, as I also have received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to the church in Sardis, right. These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that, that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief. And you will not know what hour I will come upon you. I have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will blot out his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my father and before angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it for you have little strength for you have a little strength have kept my word and have not denied my name. Hmm. Indeed, I will make those things. Sorry. Verse nine. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that they, that I have loved you because you have kept my command to persevere. I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. 
he who has an ear, let him hear that what the Spirit says of the churches. And to the church of the Laodiceans, these things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich, I have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And do not know that you are a wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, repent. Be zealous. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. <laughs> to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As also... I have overcome and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I'm going to stop there. <clears throat> I'm going to stop there. Um, I know I only read two chapters today. But I'm going to stop here since it's 830. And... What I'm going to do is, is we're going to continue through Revelation all through next week. Well, it will probably be done in two days, actually. And then after Revelation, we're going to start with the Old Testament. For those of you who are here for the first time, this is the read and rant. And the whole purpose of this is to engage in the word of God, to read the word of God. This is a Bible study. This is sorry. This is not a Bible study, but this is a Bible reading. And in the Bible reading, what we're doing is we're posturing ourselves to hear from God. We're asking three questions. What is God saying or revealing concerning himself? What is God saying or revealing concerning people? And what is God saying or revealing concerning me? That's the posture that we're taking as we read the scriptures. We've now read from, um, we've read from Matthew and now we're in Revelation and we will be continuing through Revelation. And then we're going to go full circle and go back to the Old Testament, which I believe the timing is really good for this. <clears throat> because Revelation, if you would allow me, because um, after we read, then I rant. So I'm going to rant for the next 30 minutes. And if you've missed any of my rants and you're looking to find a rant, like where are the rants? I want to find a rant. Like where are the rest of the rants? He did. He's done all these books. Go back and check out the font everywhere. Um, the font everywhere will allow you to, you know, you'll see my reading rants on there as well. Um, the ones that I'm doing now, like this one's being we're broadcasting from both Facebook and TikTok. And so um, you can catch it there. I got my Facebook family here, too. So good to see you guys. Alan, good to see you. Derek, good to see you. Joelle, good to see you. And Toya, um, revelation. The first mistake that Christians make when they title this book as they call it revelations they'll say have you read revelations have you read revelations the book of revelations as if there are many revelations 
And yet the book is not Revelations. The book is Revelation. <laughs> um, it is Revelation. That is the revelation of Jesus Christ. We know that because it tells us at the beginning, the first five words, the revelation of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and this is written by John, who the theological consensus on this is that this is John the Beloved, John the son, the, the son of Zebedee, um, uh, son of thunder. <laughs> and, and John is writing this letter in exile. He's in Patmos. He's writing this letter in exile. He's writing this letter in hiding. He's the last surviving um, of the disciples. Imagine you're the last one left. There's nobody else. Imagine hearing stories of your fellow brothers. I mean, just think about that. Like, put that into context. Your fellow brothers who you did at least three years with. Well, around three years with. And these brothers, you with them, with Jesus, did life together for three years. You got to know these guys, had stories, had meals together, had experiences together. I mean, imagine the stories these guys had of the time that they spent with Jesus. To see then the death of Jesus Christ and then his resurrection and to experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ and to see it in a very corporeal way. Imagine, right, that you are John. And over time, as you have navigated through ministry, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, facing all types of persecution, you hear all of your fellow brothers who you grew up with get knocked out. Peter dies. James dies. You know, you hear Philip is killed for, for the faith. Thaddeus killed for the faith. You know, we can, we can go on, right? And all these guys who you grew up with and grew, spent three years with, with them, have all died for the faith. If there's one testament to the message of Jesus Christ, it's the life of those who lived after his resurrection. These men were willing to die for the faith, which tells you that there's a conviction that they had. Right? There's a conviction that they had that this thing was real. This no this is ain't this ain't no lie. Right? No one would be crucified upside down for a lie. No one would be beheaded for a lie. Right? These were the men who died. And John is the only only one left. John the beloved. He's the only one left and here he is in exile. Far from oh, the believers. He's in Patmos. And he, and he says here in verse three, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this 
prophecy. He's telling you that this book, Revelation, stay with me, fam, because I'm going to get to the point. He's telling, he's telling us that this book, Revelation, is a prophecy. It's a, uh, it's a prophetic book. He's telling you that it's a prophetic book because he wants you to know. Notice he introduces it that way. He introduces it as, as a prophetic book so as to remind and to inform the people who are reading it about what he's about to say next and the stylistic qualities about of what he's about to say next. What am I saying? I'm saying that he's writing in code. And you say, well, what do you mean by he's writing in code? Like this stuff isn't going to happen or no, he's writing in code. Because when he affirms that he's writing a prophecy, the ones who would read it would understand that what he's about to write next has many layers of implications. He knows that the Hebrew readers who would read this book would know what he meant when he called this book a prophecy. Because for a book to be a prophecy, it has to be a word from God by a prophet. Okay, exactly, Vanessa. Let those who have ears hear. He's, he's literally saying, for those who get it, get it. He know he's speaking in a code and he's telling you this is a prophecy. And if anybody knows anything about a prophecy, the Hebrew people understood prophecy. They understood that prophecy was a word directly from God that was usually used to uh, to warn the children of God or the people of God or to encourage or comfort the people of God. And they knew that whenever something is being spoken prophetically and that it's a prophecy, that it's, it's, it's a present reality that has future implications. A prophetic word is a present reality with future implications, meaning the symbolism of it is God's perspective, stay with me, family, is God's perspective on the current reality that points to the final outcome. That's what prophecy is. It's how God perceives the present reality to point to a future outcome. So a prophecy is a future present. He sees something happening. God sees it through the God lens and then it points to what's about to happen. I have to do this. I'm sorry. This might sound like a Bible study. I know this is a devotional, but I got to do this. And I hope I don't bore you guys with this, but I have to do this. Okay. Because then you'll understand where I'm going here. So it's a symbolic message about what's happening in that moment to point into what's about to happen. Boom, there it is. It's as simple as I can put it. 
It's a symbolic message about what's happening in the present moment that's pointing into what's about to happen. Okay? That is what prophecy is. And so when you understand that, because the Hebrews understood this. So the moment that John says that these words or the words of this prophecy, and he says, and keep the things which are written in it for the time is near. The Hebrews understood that. Okay. The Hebrews understood that, that from here on out, there is a literary form that's about to be used to help bring encouragement, warning, and understanding for what's about to happen. Soak on that for a minute. So now when we understand that, what he's literally telling them is, I'm about to present the code. And the code is prophetic. Oh, man. I don't got enough time. Okay, maybe it's going to be more Bible study than prayer. Who knows? I, I feel like I have to make, make this plain because then I'm gonna, I might lose you. So let me, let me help make this plain for you. The moment that he says it's a prophecy, the Hebrews understood it was a code. It was a code. It was a prophetic code. And they knew how to unlock the code. They knew the code because the code was Old Testament prophecy. Okay. The code was Old Testament prophecy. They knew the Old Testament prophecies. They knew the prophets. They knew the messages. They knew the symbols in the Old Testament prophecies, and they knew what those symbols would point to. Okay. They knew all the imageries. They knew, so they knew the code. And so when John writes this message, he's, he's writing in code because these people were already under oppression. These people were already under the oppression of the Roman Empire. Remember when we talked about Peter, right? In 2 Peter, 1 Peter and 2 Peter, that Peter was writing about this coming oppression, this coming persecution. And what Peter was alluding to was, I know you're going through it right now, but it's about to get worse. Peter wrote before Nero. John is writing after Nero. Nero has already passed the law now that they can kill the Christians, that Christians can be killed. So now the Christians spoke in the Hebrew Old Testament code. This is why they needed to know the whole Testament because they needed to know the code and the language. Let those who have ears, let them hear. That was code for remember what Jesus said. And they knew what Jesus pointed to because all scripture testifies of Christ. So when Paul says this, sorry, not Paul. When John says this, he's saying to them, guys, this is a code. The book of Revelation was a letter, please stay with me, family, because you might not have heard this before, but the book of Revelation was a letter that was written in circulation, but written in the code of the Old Testament prophets. Soak on that. 
So the book of Revelation is a code book. And so all the imagery of the code was easily understood by the Hebrews because the Hebrews knew the prophets. And so because the Hebrews knew the prophets, they would know what all these images represent. Are y'all catching me? So then what revelation is, is revelation is the prophetic climax. Oh man, this, this sounds like a Bible study now. I'm sorry. You know, I can get excited. The only reason is because Revelation is one of the most confusing books. So I have to kind of make it simple for you guys. So I'm bringing it down for you. Um, so that way you guys can understand this. And maybe we'll talk more words of encouragement because I, I hope you'll get a word from this um, once we get to that. But I'm going to give a little Bible study here. All right. So stay with me. I know it's not Bible study, but I'm going to give a little Bible study. All right. So stay with me here. Um, so, so, so the book of Revelation is a letter that is being circulated all around and we'll see later on being circulated to the seven churches, but along the way, this letter could get caught. And these were Christians who were being persecuted. These were Christians who were being attacked. These were Christians who were being killed. Nero has already written the decree that allowed the killing of Christians, that anyone who professed the faith can be killed for professing faith in Jesus Christ. And so the code was written. John is writing a word of prophecy that has a Hebrew prophetic code that would be understood by the Hebrew Christians who can then communicate that to the Christians who were not Hebrew. So what revelation is, that's why it's called the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because for those who have ears, let them hear. Who, who said this? Christ. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ, who we've all encountered by faith in him. And now we can communicate the message of Christ through the Old Testament prophecies that were a culmination of Christ on the cross. Okay, we'll get to that on another time. Okay. So, so the book of Revelation is the prophetic climax. It's the book that was written that's going to pull from all the letters of the prophets that were written before. And the moment that he, that, that, that John writes, hear the words of prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. The Hebrew Christians already knew what he meant. Okay. The Hebrew Christians already knew what he meant. All right. Now that we're here and we understand that, then what we have to understand is revelation is not a book with a code on the end times. I know y'all heard y'all, y'all seen the, the, the end time movies, right? Um, you know, what's, what's that? What's that? Uh, uh, what's that movie called? Ah, left behind. Yeah. There's that one. There was left behind. Uh, what are some other? Uh, there's a bunch of tribulation movies. Y'all seen them. Don't act like y'all ain't seen them. 
bunch of y'all seen him. I, I went to church, saw it, and gave my life to Christ like 20 times. Every time I saw it, I said, oh my God, I got to go to Jesus. I got to go to Jesus because I'm getting, I don't want to get left behind. I don't want this to happen to me. Oh, y'all know. Y'all, y'all seen it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The whole Left Behind book series, theologically incongruent to the scripture. Um, it, it actually does not align theologically with scripture. Okay. It's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I might, I might mess some people up because there's some people I hear all the end times prophets, the end times prophets, you know, the, the, the end times theologians who will, who will read the, the, the book of revelation. That's what they go to. And they, they read the book of revelation. Like it's a code about what's going to happen in their future when no, it was a code as to what was happening in that present time. So the book of Revelation is a code of what was actually happening to the church. It was a future present. And that's why it's called a prophecy. <sighs> Are y'all with me? Are y'all with me? <laughs> so now when you understand that, the book is going to begin to make more sense. The book is going to have more clarity now because you go, okay, so then now if I read this, and this is the mistake that a lot of, this is a mistake a lot of Christians make reading the Bible period is Christians will read the Bible from their cultural lens. Wrong. You do not read the Bible from your cultural lens. When you read the scripture from your cultural lens, you're going to make you're going to make misinterpretations of scripture. You have to first read it from the lens of the person who wrote it to the people that that person was writing it to. I know I'm going full Bible study today. Stay with me. So now when you read it from the lens of the person who wrote it to the person that has been written to, then you can interpret and see what the implications of what was written in from that person to the other person to you today. So you want to know what they're saying to that person and why that applies to you today. That's how we ought to read the scripture. We need to know who wrote it the context and the culture that they're writing it from and who they're writing it to. And when we understand that now, we understand what information is actually being disseminated. And once we know what, what information is actually being transmitted, then we can know the implication of that information and how it applies to how it applies to us today. Okay? So now that we get that, Okay, now that we get that, I hope you guys are with me. I hope I'm not boring you. Sometimes Bible study starts boring people. So now that we get that, it's not exactly, it's a timeless truth. But to get the truth, you need to know it in its original time. And once you know the truth in its original time, then you'll, and that truth in its original time will still be the truth today. But if you read the scripture and interpret it from your own cultural lens, you won't get the truth. 
Are you catching me? This is really, really, really important. Because once you understand this, now you can read Revelation. <laughs> because what Revelation is written by is by John, the Hebrew disciple who was writing to the churches in Asia Minor. Asia Minor is hostile territory for the church. And so it's written in the Hebrew prophetic code. For what? For their encouragement. It was written in the Hebrew prophetic code to warn them and to encourage them. You're going to need to understand this because now when we, as we read for the next two, two days on, Mon on Monday and Tuesday, as we're reading, I want you to read with that perspective. This is why we're doing this. I want you to read it in that light with that perspective because now we begin to see what he says. He speaks of Christ who's called, who says that I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who was and is and is to come. Then he says that he turned, look at verse 12. He says, then I turned, chapter one, verse to see the voice that spoke to me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. What's a lampstand? He clarifies what the seven lampstands represent. He says that the seven lampstands represent, the seven golden lampstands represent the um, seven churches. And that the seven stars represented the angels of the seven churches. Okay? He brings clarity to that. Notice what he's doing already. He is aligning people to the code. <laughs> he's aligning them to the code. He's, he's letting them know, this is code. Here it is. What I'm about to do next is all code. It's a prophetic code. And that prophetic code has eternal implications. But you need to know the code right now to understand what I'm saying to you right now. John was writing to those churches. Please get this family. Please, please, please. John was writing to those churches. He wasn't writing directly to us. He was writing to those churches and the truth of what he was writing to those churches mattered to us today. Caught it? So he says, write the things which you have seen, the things which you are, and the things which you will take place after this. And then he informs them he's writing the code. And notice there's a, there's a continuity here. Seven. Seven was the number of completion. Notice the symbolism of that. It's the number of completion. He's, there's so much imagery. The Hebrews understood that. That seven, sorry, was the number of completion, meaning this is it. This is the revelation. It has been completed here. He, he speaks of the seven churches and the seven angels and the seven, the seven golden lampstands. So you see the seven, you're going to see seven iterated over seven is woven all throughout the book of revelation because he's using that code to remind them it's done. 
He's saying to them, it is finished. Are you catching it? The symbol of divine completeness. You know, seven, um, that number seven has been used, you know, is used. We're not going to get to biblical numerology here, but they understood the implications of seven. I'll leave it at that because I don't want to go into that, that rant. Okay. So they understood that. So as he's talking about the seven lampstands, the seven angels, the seven churches, and you, you, you'll see later on, he's, you know, seven heads and seven horns and all the seven is meant as code to remind them, guys, it's done. <laughs> it's been fulfilled. It's been completed. Notice this verse. I know, I know, uh, oh, he, he actually, no, I'll go back. I'll go back. So, so. So now he writes the letter, and of course, it's going in circulation. And it's going in circulation where he expected those seven, um, he expected this letter to get to the seven churches. So it had to get from city to city to city. Again, why it was written in code. Written and copied in this prophetic code. Okay. The first church is the church in Ephesus. Um, if you read some translations, they'll say it's the loveless church. The second church was Smyrna in the letter. That is the, uh, the persecuted church. The, um, the third church was Pergamos. Um, they call that the compromising church. The fourth church is the corrupt church. Um, right? The one with the spirit of Jezebel. The fifth church is the dead church. The church is Sardis. The sixth church is the faithful church. That is the church in Philadelphia. Uh, the seventh church is the lukewarm church. And that's the church in Laodicea. Now, I want to make sure you get this. Okay, guys. Sometimes preachers make the error of simply saying, which one of these churches are you? That's that. There's nothing wrong devotionally with that. But you have to understand he is actually writing to a specific church. The church in Sardis is not a symbolic church. It's an actual church. The church in Philadelphia, Philadelphia is an actual city with an actual church in it. Okay. Laodicea is an actual city with an actual church in it. And each one of these churches has different issues. And yet they have one common decision to make. And that common decision that they have to make is Nero has already signed his decree. He's coming to kill us if we just profess our faith in Jesus Christ. So with all the mess that each of you are going through, you have a decision to make. He's saying to the church, will you contend for the faith or will you compromise the faith? Let me say that again. Will you contend for the faith or will you compromise the faith? You see, the tribulation that is to come was speaking about Nero's rule. We talk about the tri tribulation like this thing that's going to happen way down the line centuries later. Notice they're talking about a present time, a present thing that is near 
This is this is the this has been the theological disconnect. People are like, man, they're waiting for Jesus to come. We've been talking about the tribulation. We've been talking about the tribulation. How the tribulation is about to come. The tribulation came. <sighs> I'm gonna get in trouble. <laughs> We're gonna get in trouble here. The tribulation came. The tribulation that John is writing about here came. It was about to happen, and it did. It already did. The tribulation happened. Family, it happened already. <laughs> it, you know, we, it's going to come. It's it's about to happen. We got Christians now waiting for the tribulation that had already happened. And that is still happening. You say, when are the end times? The end times are then and now. <laughs> Again. I'm not here to take, you know, I know we have premillennials and amillennial and all different theological, you know, um, you have all these different theological, you know, positions on this. I don't do all that theology stuff. I just don't, you know, um, I saw this one guy in a video. He's like, I'm black and slow. I'm black and slow. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't do all that. I don't get all complicated with the theology. I just read what's there. I know what's there. I've studied what's there. It's there. Okay, it already happened. So what John is warning the Christians of was about to happen and history showed that it already did. Oh, Nero's coming and he's cutting heads off. Nero's coming and he's going to say you're either a believer or you're not. And if you're not, you are going to die. He's going to round you up. He's going to round you up. They're going to put you in prison. They're going to publicly execute you. They're going to do all of that. He, he's, he's telling them what is about to happen in their time. He's not saying this is going to happen to your children. That's not what he said. He didn't say this is going to happen to the church generations later. He's saying this is going to happen to you now. So churches, you have a decision. Are you going to contend for the faith or are you going to compromise the faith? It's easy to say you're Christian when you don't have a gun to your head. It's easy to say that you're a Christian when you're not facing death. Ah, but when you face death now, Will you contend for the faith? Hmm. Now we can point back and ask, what kind of church are we? See, that's how, that's where we get lost. Pastor, which church are you? Because Jesus is coming. No, G Jesus has come and he is coming. <laughs> so now we're, we're sitting around, you know, which one of these churches are you? Be ready. The tribulation's coming. Guys, the tribulation already came and it's still happening. Which one? Is, so, yes, which one of these churches are we? Because he talks about the characterization, but notice this. Ready? He's talking about churches in each and every one of the cities. He talks about the church in Ephesus. This speaks to, I, I, can, I can go all day on this. I don't have the time. I can go all day. I can go all day. Um, when, when, when we read about these churches and and these different, um, in these different cities, notice that each city was governed by a principality. 
Notice that each city is governed by a principality. There was a spirit. There, there was a spirit over that city. Some it was sensuality. Some of it was pride. He talks about the loveless church. They were Ephesus. Ephesus is a remember we talked about Ephesus right when Paul went to Ephesus and he made that 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 incredible apologetic discourse in Ephesus in uh, Acts chapter fifteen. In Acts chapter fifteen, where he he makes that huge apologetic discourse and and because those were the thinkers were. Those where the philosophers were. And the thing with that church was, is they were good at philosophy. So they philosophized the faith, but then they forgot about their first love. He's talking about a church that is intellectually high, but spiritually low. I make fun of my Presbyterian pastors and I tell them, you know, he's talking about y'all, right? <laughs> And I, they're good friends of mine, so they they know they know they know they know. I'm, I'm 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 I joke I joke I kid because you know I'm a guy who moves and flows in the power of the Holy Spirit. I still believe in the works. I still believe I, I still believe the Holy Spirit works today. I still believe in the supernatural. I believe a supernatural God doesn't pause his supernaturality because the Bible was written. That's ridiculous. I'm sorry if I oversimplified it, but I say I say hey yo Presbyterians, he talking about y'all. Look at that. <laughs> Man, you you guys have good theology. But my God, y'all can't even put up your hands in worship. Jesus. I I can't remember the last time you you were just completely in tears as you prayed. Where you where y'all at? <laughs> I joke, I joke, I kid. I'm laying hands on I'm laying hands on on Presbyterian pastors and bishops, okay? I've done it. Um but then he talks about the persecuted church. Right? And then he talks about the compromising church, you know, the ones where uh, they got they got a grace doctrine that allows them to live in a compromising way. They, they they're not really strengthened by anything. They're they're, they're more undergirded by culture. We can I, I'm not going to go through that. I'm sure some of you have heard those teachings and those pre That's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to point out something. Every one of those churches were governed by a spirit, and we notice that cities are governed by spirits. Different cities have different things that govern them. Right. Some it's sexuality, some it's sensuality, some of it is greed. Some different cities are governed by different things. But notice in each and every one of those churches, Jesus had an issue with them. The loveless church, he said, oh, I have this against you. You have left your first love. But notice, he says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And this you have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has ears, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Watch this now. I, I hope you, I, this is your word of encouragement today. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life. To him who overcomes. So even though I'm in Ephesus, and the church in Ephesus is being governed by the cultural influence of Ephesus, among you, to him who overcomes. Hmm. Then he goes to the ne in the next church, and in the next church he says he. Who overcomes? Oh, we're getting somewhere now. He who overcomes. And then he goes to the compromising church, the church in Pergamos. And in the end, he says, he says, and he who overcomes. Oh, and then the corrupt church, you know, the one that's governed by the spirit of Jezebel. Yeah, the one that's governed by the spirit of Jezebel. It's led the spirit of Jezebel. And he says, 
Um, he says, I will give him, he says, and he shall rule over them like a rod, and they shall be dashed into pieces like potter's vessels. But then he gives an affirmation. Ah, but he who overcomes, verse 26, and he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, I will give him power over the nations. Oh, and then look at, look at Revelation chapter three, the dead church, the dead church. Yeah, the dead church. Um, they, they, they do a lot of works, but they've got no spirit. You know, those are the churches that believe that out, outreach is enough. If we just do good outreach, that's the gospel. Anyway, that's a side note. And then he goes to, he says, he says, even to that church that's dead, you know, that's a good social justice organization, but not the church. He says to them, and he who overcomes. And then the faith, the faithful church, he talks about them and he reminds them and he who overcomes. And then the lukewarm church, you know, the one that they're kind of wishy-washy, they have a lot of money. Because they have a lot of money, they become really lukewarm. They become very passive in their faith. And because of that, he says to them, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. Overcome. Overcome. It doesn't matter what city you're in, what principality you're being governed by, no matter what, what principality your church is being governed by, Whatever is standing in the culture in your city, he gives you the power to overcome. He says, and he who overcomes. That word overcome there is the same word that talks about conquering. Victory. He's saying even with all these churches. Remember, it's Paul's letter to these people. And he says, this is what I'm going to make it real plain, real simple for you. He's saying to them, they're coming. The government of Satan is coming. Nero's coming. Nero is coming. The Roman Empire is coming. They're going to test you. They're going to ask you about your faith. They're going to ask you where you stand. They're going to say, are you a Christian or not? It doesn't matter which one you came from. If you're in the lukewarm city, you might be in the faithful city like Philadelphia. You might be in Sardis. That's a faith. That's a dead city. You might be in Ephesus. That's where all the thinkers are. You might be in Smyrna. You might be in, in Pergamos. You might be in Thyatira. This is regionally located, family. And yet he's saying to them, to him who overcomes. How do you overcome? He's saying, contend the faith. <laughs> See, this is where it gets really weird. Because for many people, contending for their faith isn't victory. He's saying that those who choose Jesus, even at the point of death, have overcome. Like, sit on that, fam. To those who contest and con who contend for the faith have overcome. So the one who says, yes, I believe that Jesus is the son of God who came to redeem all the world by the sacrifice of his blood. That by faith in him, I've been filled with his Holy Spirit. And now 
have overcome death, if they chop that person's head off right after saying that, he's saying they have overcome. Wow. The person who has their business taken away because they've contended for the faith have overcome. That person who gets put in prison for their faith has overcome. That person that person how did Jesus overcome? Jesus did not overcome with tanks and guns and swords and public policies and and you name it, Jesus did not overcome with force and power and guns and bombs. Jesus overcame by dying on the cross. Jesus overcame when his arms were stretched wide and he gave up his breath he said, it is finished. Jesus overcame by dying on a cross. Jesus overcame when those who accused him, him being an innocent man, but him being who he was, said on that cross, forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. Jesus overcame by dying. And he said to the disciples when he rose from the grave, he said, behold, I have overcome the world. He didn't say, I will overcome. He didn't say, I'm about to overcome or I'm working on this overcoming thing. He said, I have overcome. It was done. It is the ultimate victory. Yes, Adrian. Death was his victory. Because he defeated death by giving up the, the ghost. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? <sighs> he has overcome by his sacrifice on the cross. And yet what John is saying here is he's saying, and he who contends for the faith, even when the tribulation comes, because it's coming in the next few weeks, it's coming in the next month. But if you contend, you have overcome. You have overcome. You have overcome. You are a winner. You are more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror by simply contending for the faith. See, see, that's a different kind of kingdom. That's a different kind of victory. It's a, it's a different kind of win. And it doesn't make sense. And this is what John is doing here. 
after John says this, John now spends the remainder of the book helping us understand how contending for the faith is victory. That's what the book of Revelation is. The book of Revelation is a book about how contending for the faith is victory. How suffering persecution is victory. How dying for the faith is victory. How lifting up the banner of Jesus Christ is victory. Because your suffering today points to the coming of the kingdom. The book of Revelation was written to encourage the Christians. And so now, oh man, I'm not even gonna have time for prayer. I'm so sorry, guys. I know it was a little bit of Bible study, but I hope this was helpful to you because sometimes Revelation gets so confusing. It was for me and it can get so, but this is, this is what John was writing. I hope this makes sense because this will be an encouragement to you. And it'll help realign how you read Revelation. Because now when you read Revelation and you start seeing all these weird images, they're weird to us, but they were not weird to the Hebrews. When you hear these beasts and these the mark of the beast or the Antichrist and all, those are weird to us, but they're not weird to the Hebrews who are reading it because all those things point back to the prophets. They knew how to decipher the code. They knew we got to use the Old Testament to decipher the code that's being written for us for our encouragement so that we can face the tribulation that's coming from the Roman Empire. That's Revelation. So may God encourage us today. May we be encouraged by this word today. That we, notice the scriptures end with we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Notice now how much more that scripture makes sense. That's exactly right, Eric. The book of Revelation is pointing to the, it's literally pulling the entire prophets, all the prophecies, all the Old Testament, bringing it into this book as a code to encourage the people of God in that time. To what? What's about to come. And what's about to come is so much better and so much greater, so much more beautiful, so much more rich than what's happening in this moment. And that's what John was writing about. I hope Revelation made more sense now. I hope this was helpful to you. I hope this encouraged you. 
as we close, I want to close with prayer. Um, but I hope, you know, that even though we didn't have time to, to spend time directly in prayer, that this would build you in the faith throughout this, this weekend. That when you pray now, when we, when we read through Revelation, I want you when we come back and we read this, that we're reading this now with a whole different mindset, a whole different posture. We are not deciphering the end times. We're deciphering that time for this time. God bless you guys. Father, we thank you, Lord, for Lord, giving us, Lord, the revelation of Jesus Christ. I love that this is written as the revelation of Jesus Christ. Not of a warning of what is to come, but the revelation of your life, your death, and your resurrection. And even more joyfully, your rule on this earth. That you will establish your kingdom. And that we can be affirmed through the reading of this book that your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you for blessing us empowering us with your word. Lord, teach us, instruct us, realign us, Lord God, that we may be conformed to your image, empowered by your word and by the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. And we say that in your name we pray. Amen.